This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance with me, Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California. Uh, my CPA practice is uh, working with about 250 dentists right now, about 175 practices. I'm a partner at HMWC CPAs and Business Advisors in beautiful downtown Tustin, California, a little little ways from Disneyland. And I am also a proud member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, the ADCPA, 24 CPA firms that represent over 9,000 dentists. And again, broken record, Art Wiederman, you're going to meet another really good friend of mine today. And you're going to love this because she is just absolutely a lady that lights up the room with her smile every single time I see her. Uh, Debbie Seidel-Bitke is a dental coach, has been in dentistry for over 40 years, has been a coach for 20 years, and she has lots and lots of pearls of wisdom, uh, not only on how to run an efficient dental practice, but a lot on hygiene we're going to talk about today, and you'll find that out in a minute. So we'll, we'll get to we'll get to Debbie in a second. Um, I want to give you some information if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin. Uh, my phone number is 714-259-0505. Uh, my email, if you want to email me a question, a comment, maybe a good joke. I'm always looking for a good joke. Um, in fact, I went I went to a wedding over the weekend. Uh, one of my long-term employees, my accounting supervisor, got married. It was so funny. And her sister officiated at the wedding. And when she officiated at the end, after the the bride and groom, uh, who I've, I've known the the groom for thirty years, um, they gave the vows and everything. And uh, she says, "Okay, and now by the powers vested in me by the state of California, and the guys on the internet." And I just cracked up. Uh, that was how she was vested to be able to give that. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up, but I thought it was funny. Uh, but anyway. Uh, if you have a you know a funny story or joke like that, uh, give us uh, give me an email. Uh, send me an email at artwiederman at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to look at all the prior podcasts, they're all there for you to see and download. Uh, go to our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab and then go to um, podcasts, and you'll see all of them, including uh, the one that Debbie. Uh, we'll be recording with me as we speak. She is in our studios, which makes it even more fun. And uh, that'll be up in uh, uh, late November. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States of America, uh, if you're looking for one in Southern California, that would be our firm. If you're looking for anywhere else, please uh, look at our website, which is the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa. Dot org, And we will have, I keep saying this, and it's uh, I'm actually having a meeting here shortly. We're going to have some very exciting news uh, about the podcast. So one of the things that we do on the podcast is we want to help you be better. We want to help your practice to be more profitable. Uh, we want your practice to be more fun. I, I have always taught that a uh, a dental coach, I call them coaches now, not consultants. We'll see if Debbie likes that title. I think a dental coach needs to do two things. I think a dental coach needs to help the doctor add to his or her bottom line. But I also think that they need to add um, enjoyment to their practice. And again, when you when you hear Debbie uh, talk, uh, you know, we, we, we were at um, we were actually at a, um, a seminar, a, a three day seminar uh, put on by Dental Intel in Snowbird, Utah, about a month ago. And Debbie and I had dinner. And oh my goodness, this lady is smiling all the time, talking, happy, wonderful. So you're going to get all of that today. So Debbie Seidel-Bitke, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance. Art, thank you so much for having me. And yes, I would prefer that I'm a coach, not a consultant, because the consultant is somebody who comes in and tells you exactly what to do. And I'm there to 
inspire, motivate, and definitely empower doctor and the team to be their very best. Well, and that's that's really important. We're going to talk about a lot of that. But first, I want you, Debbie, tell me a little bit. Uh, well, first of all, I, I, I um, we were talking before the show. I understand that you are a a very accomplished skier, and and you're going to talk a little bit about your time at, at USC and stuff. But talk about uh, how you used to um, uh, ski with the dental students. So I started skiing as a teenager, and then when I went to USC and hung out with all the fun dental students before they were actual dentists and stressed, <laughs> which is my job to not to That's help right. them not be so stressed, but. We had so much fun driving from Los Angeles to Mammoth Mountain, probably at least once a month. And we would have these cool condos that we all rented. There were probably 20 of us in a three-bedroom condo. What? 20, 20 of you? Yeah. 20 in a three-bedroom condo. Yeah, yeah. Now, there was no alcohol involved, right? No alcohol. No, no, no. no that's no, no, forbidden no. at USC, right? And, and not even nitrous oxide. Not even nitrous tanks were involved. Oh, I don't, I don't believe that. But I believe there was no alcohol. <laughs> Anyways. I loved skiing since I was a teenager, so I mentioned, and the dental students were on, they were on a ski team, some of them, and they actually took me under their wing. And I, my husband, he's in the other room here, but he would tell you, he's, I mean, not to be boastful, but they really helped me become the best skier possible. Oh, they did? So did they give you lessons or did they have that work? Well, I guess you could say they gave me personal lessons. I had personal coaching by Uh, many of them uh, on skiing. On skiing. On skiing. Nothing more than skiing, but we were up in the Black Diamonds. Oh. And then all of a sudden, I'm now 40 years of age, a few years ago, and I get up there to these Black Double Diamonds, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) I just All of a sudden, I decided, I think I've made it this far. I am going to hang up the skis because everybody I know, just like riding a motorcycle, everybody I know has had some kind of accident. And most people who are skiers have had some kind of accident. And God forbid I would have an accident. I mean, that would not be good and it wouldn't be fun for sure. Well, since you're sitting right next to me, I don't see any broken arms or broken legs or limbs. So obviously you made it off the ski slopes and we're very happy as is the dental profession to have you as as a great coach. So Give us a little bit of your journey uh, in in your professional life. Well, I'll tell you, my dad really inspired me when I had my first job. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys, I worked at McDonald's when I was 16. I couldn't wait to get my first job. I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken, so we were competitors. Oh, yeah, grease buddies. I stayed away from the French fries. I was the shake girl. Anyways, my dad told me, you will always be the best employee anybody ever has. So just remember that. And I always had this feeling and this attitude and motivation to be my very best. So I not only went to the University of Southern California, which I think I'm very prejudiced. I think it's probably the best dental school for clinical dentistry. Art's shaking his head. Okay. I know there are other dental schools that are great too, but... So you understand that I'm going to lose all of my CPA clients who went to UOP, UCSF, Loma Linda, UCLA, but but that's not a big deal. Sorry, guys. But anyways, they brainwash you at USC. The first week of dental school, they have the dental hygienist in some of the classes with the dental students, which makes it really a good school. And they totally brainwash you and tell you, congratulations, you are at the best school. You could have chosen no better school for dentistry. They tell you that. So that's where it all comes from. It's not my fault. (laughs) Anyways, I wanted to tell you that I went to what was thought to be the very best school and I came out of there. Now, on the, I remember on our graduation, one of the ceremonies, one of the professors said, we are not here to give um, accolades to the people, the students who have the, the awards. What is most important is the information that you have gleaned, that you are taking away from this university, and what will you do with it? And I always, I've always remembered that. What will I do with that information? And I went back to the school and I started teaching the dental hygiene students with Anna Patterson, as Art knows her. And I taught there for many years. And I always wanted to share my knowledge of dentistry. As you know, Art said, I know, 40 years. Sounds like I just started at about five years of age. You can just keep that 
Im- image in your mind that I'm 45 at the most, but yes, that's all she is is 45. I promise. <laughs> but you know, my dad, he's the one that inspired me to always be my best, and I wanted to share my knowledge. That point in time, it's like I knew I wanted to be a dental hygienist. I knew I wanted to go to USC, but I didn't know why. Why USC? Why dental hygienist? You know. And my dad said, "Well, you would be great." As you can tell, I love to talk. I love to listen to. But that's why you and I get along so well. <laughs> so. I, he said, you'll have a captive audience if you become a dental hygienist, you'll make good money, blah, blah, blah. So 12 years of age, I did a career day project on a dental hygienist. I never took my eyes off of that. So now I want to be a consultant, a coach is what we call, are called these days in the 21st century. And I had no idea what I was doing, why I was doing it, how I was going to do it. All I knew is that I was told I need to speak and write, speak and write. And then maybe by chance, Somebody would pay me great money to be an expert and be there at that point in time, 20 years ago, consultant. And then you woke up, right? I woke up. And (laughs) and let me tell you, I was speaking a lot and I worked for a dentist who had a lot of respect for me and a lot of influence for the California Dental Association. And right away, I was able to start speaking within three years all over the United States and Canada right away. And I still didn't know what I was really doing three years into it. But what happened was my mother came in. I was still doing hygiene part-time and she came in and had a tooth infection. Now, let me back up a little bit. She had just had her mitral valve replaced two years prior and she never came in to see me, her hygienist. And she now came in with a tooth infection. She had the tooth extracted and a bridge placed. Now, I found that she had, I discovered, a perioendoabscess, okay? So, what happens in 2002 is she gets the tooth extracted, a bridge is placed, and now she actually has a hemorrhagic stroke on the left side of her brain. Number 19, lower left, first molar, that has an infection, has to be extracted. Within a few months, a hemorrhagic stroke, less time of the brain. And I was just getting ready to speak for the first time in Canada. And she was laying there basically in a coma saying, Debbie, you got to go. She remembered that I was going to Canada to speak. And I did. And I came back and my sister and my brother were there. They flew in from out of state. They were no longer in Southern California with us. But my mom was now on life support. And when I came back from Canada because she insisted I go, we actually had to make a decision to take her off life support because they said that if she recovered, she would be a vegetable. And I tell you that story, doctors and all my colleagues that are listening, because at that point in time, it was about, actually, this is almost 2003, almost three years into my career. And do you think that I now have a deep why I do what I do? Obviously, you do. And you you have a, you have a passion, Hagen. I've known you for many years, and you're one of my Instagram friends. Boy, I've never seen anybody post more on Instagram. You're, and it's all good stuff. It's wonderful stuff. So let's get into our topics because we could chit chat about skiing and dental students all day, as as as, as, uh, as we obviously could, and and you and I have done in the past. So so I know again, as we said, you, you know, you have a big emphasis on what you do in hygiene, but. Talk about how a dentist can get more adult patients into treatment for gum disease. So that kind of piggybacks off of what happened with my mom. And in 1996, our U.S. Surgeon General was commissioned to begin research on the mouth-body connection. So by 2003, there's a lot of research coming out. And now if you were to go to PubMed or uh, Perio, uh, the Perio Academy, Perio.org, you will notice if you put uh, periodontitis related to systemic disease, uh, mouth-body relationship, you're going to get a wealth of research on that. So I believe that the hygiene department is the lifeblood. They're like the blood vessel of your dental practice. And the hygienist spends the most amount of time with the patient throughout the year. So it's the hygienist doing their screenings, our screenings that we're supposed to do, taking that time. It's about helping the patient have a healthy body, not just cleaning teeth. 
Absolutely. And and I, I believe, you know, the hygiene department, I've always taught that the hygiene department has three purposes. Uh, number one, it's a source of revenue. Number two, it's a source of work. And then number three, it's a source to ask a patient for a referral. But it's a lot more than that. I mean, Debbie, talk about it. I, I get frustrated sometimes with my doctors who tell me, well, you know, my hygienist, I, I, we, we look at their metrics and, 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 you know, you and I both know that we should have about one, you know, I hope one third of the production in the, uh, uh, in the hygiene department should be in the 4,000 codes, give or take. Do you like, do you like that metric? So I do like that metric and I very seldom see it. However, right, in the, the last two years, I have seen in the twenties, I used to see in the 3%. And the 14%. Now, once we start working with a dental office and the hygienists start and the whole team embraces that mouth-body connection and they feel comfortable effectively and elegantly communicating and showing the patient what's going on, now we'll see that jump for, I, I tell you, it could be 50% of their adult patients are treated for the 4,000 codes. So it's, it, what you're saying is it's, it's verbal skills on the part of the hygienist and the entire team to educate the patient. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So we, if you talk to somebody in sales, they'll tell you there's a phrase called the secret of seven. And I have specifically identified five different touch points throughout a dental appointment. So specifically in a hygiene appointment, no matter what type of hygiene appointment that patient is in for, what service that is. There are five different points in however long that appointment is where the hygienist and then at one point the doctor is helping touch the patient and the patient is going to now take ownership of their disease because one of those touch points is showing the patient pictures of what you see and getting the patient to tell you what they see. So one of the things that I would love an answer, I'd love, love to get an answer from you because obviously you have a ton of knowledge in this subject is, so we've had a hygienist for 30 years and this hygienist is very social and they like to clean teeth, uh, but probing is not on their top 10 list and, you know, periodontal disease, that's what periodontists do and and then the doctor meets Debbie, and Debbie basically slaps him or her upside the head and says, uh, you know, we have a liability issue here. We have all kinds of problems. So now we bring in a new hygienist that, that we train, right? How do we, how do we go to the patient that for 20 years has never been talked to about periodontal disease? And now how, how do we make that transition? Is that a problem? So one thing I want to change is we do not probe our patients. We only probe aliens. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I didn't go to dental school. You don't want me working on yours as a dentist. I'm real good on a calculator, but, but with a handpiece, no, 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 no. So, okay, so we don't probe patients. So what I teach is probably another five-step process. All right. And we, I have a down-to-a-science time management formula. So, for example, the first two minutes is all about rapport building. Then we're going to review medical history and have the patient acknowledge they understand why, there's the, why they are there and what services are you going to be providing. So that would be not just a cleaning, but routine preventive care, which includes measurements of your gums and any abnormalities. And then we're going to do this and this. The doctor's going to come do an exam. That might include x-rays. Um, I'm going to be taking your blood pressure. Oh my gosh, another new concept. Yes, I have hygienists that cry because they tell me they cannot possibly take a blood pressure. Oh true story. God. Really? really? Oh, true story. Well, understand, I use the word probe because it's one syllable. <laughs> Anything above two or three syllables, as my audience knows, I don't do very well. <laughs> so that's why we use that. So I won't you. So what, what should I use instead so of probe? I want you to tell your patients that you're going to do an examination of their gums and you're going to use a ruler. A, a, a ruler. A ruler. And we're going to measure for the health of their gums that they will hear some numbers called out. And you, your hygienist, the hygienist, we, the hygienist, need to explain what do those numbers mean. And then remember I said that we want our patients to own their disease. I promise you, your patients will own their disease. When you ask them to tell you, you I tell them, I like to wink and 
as Art said, I like to play around with my patients and say, now there's going to be a quiz at the end. And I'm going to ask you what was the highest number and what was the lowest number that you heard me call out. I promise you, when you do that, you don't even have to ever ask that question. That, that's funny. The first, so one of the first times that I had a an examination of my gums that I was not probed, it was an examination of my gums. Uh, I, I have a little higher dental IQ than most po- most folks who are not dentists. And they were going, you know, two, three, two, three, two, three. Then I got a five. I said, eh, wrong answer. Fives are not acceptable. And the hygienist almost dropped <laughs> dropped what she was holding on to. So, um, but uh, I mean, it, it it is so important for our dentists. And, and talk about Debbie how the how the dentist has to set the tone to let the hygienist know how important this is. Well, I think it's important that the doctor, first of all, there's one thing doctors are not trained to be, and that is a leader and a business owner. So it takes the doctor's leadership. And we started changing this word out, meeting, to be communication, a time of communication. So it's leadership and communication by the doctor to find who is the right person. And then also one one of the things I started working on a lot with my teams, because I'm a systems person, I'm showing you I show your team how to drive the system so, doctor, you can be that clinician and not have to feel stressed and that you can go home at a decent hour. But what I found, what I discovered over the years is I'm not able to teach my systems because we have this revolving door of employees. And it doesn't matter if your dental office is in the United States, Australia, Brazil, or even Cyprus. There's a revolving door of people in today's world. So it's what is the culture of your practice? And I have an exercise that I do so that the team understands what we're all working towards. Now, the majority of my clients, because they know I'm all about the mouth-body connection, and I am very passionate, enthusiastic about it, and I feel like I have a good reason for people to share with their patients why we should take care of our mouth and have optimal oral health, right? Wouldn't you say that story right, is very profound. So it's having the right mindset and the right attitudes of your people that your the people, the employees, your team is all working towards something greater than you. And when they have that something, and that's the work that we are doing now so they can teach the systems because we have a team that's engaged now, Like now you've got people that are engaged who work for you, doctor, and you've got patients who want to come to you because they know your passion and why you're doing what you're doing. I feel like I just want to yell hallelujah, stand up and start singing. But this is this is great. So, Debbie, you talk about more production for the hygiene department without creating more work for the hygienist. How does that work? So remember, I told you there's this down to a science time management formula. So no matter how your appointment for hygiene patients is divided, there are four pieces of that pie. One portion is about 15 minutes, and that is your data collection, your wellness services. And then you'll go into a treatment planning phase, which could last 15, maybe only five minutes. It all depends on what you discovered during your data collection. Now, when the hygienist discovers there's inflammation, that there's bleeding on probing, you have a choice, either health or disease. And disease now includes gingivitis treatment. So somebody who has 30% inflammation, bleeding on probing, but no radiographic bone loss has the start of gum disease. It's called gingivitis. And we now have an opportunity to discuss the mouth-body relationship with that patient. We are stepping outside of cleaning teeth as hygienists today. And that also answers your question, Art. How do we get hygienists who have been there 20, 30 years to embrace actually more than chit-chatting with their patients and, and just cleaning teeth? You know, it's It's a paradigm shift in all of dentistry, and it's happening all over the world. You know, this the latest American Academy Periodontology codes, 
They met, the AAP met with the European Federation of Periodontology in 2017, and they put together a new system for recognizing stage of periodontal disease and grade of the disease. So it's not just the United States. It's the entire world that's coming together. And this is another opportunity. The new AAP codes address tobacco use and diabetes. I'm sure that there'll be more changes to the AAP codes as time progresses. But imagine there is a paradigm shift. This is not about cleaning teeth. No, and everything that I hear every day, I'm in dentistry every day, Debbie, you're in dentistry. We hear about the fact that a, a dentist does not fix teeth. It is all about a total total health of the patient. That's why we talk about sleep uh, sleep apnea. That's why we talk about heart disease, the link between periodontal disease so and, and, and heart disease and liver disease and all this stuff that you're so well-schooled in. So what do we do? I, I, we had a doctor who bought a practice. And they came to us and said, the hygienist has been there for 40 years. They have all the goodwill. I am afraid, afraid, afraid to let that hygienist go. But that hygienist does not believe in SRPs and, uh, you know, that type of you know root planing and, and just doesn't believe in it. How do you change a culture of a practice where the patients have been educated that there's nothing wrong with periodontal disease? So I think it's really important. This is a leadership issue. That's what I'm hearing. And it's super important. Like, did, is that a new, that's a new doctor that just bought the practice and that lady's been there. I mean, I think this is where that new doctor needs to talk about his why. Why does his practice exist? And that lady needs to be in alignment with that. I mean, the thing is like when we had the hygienist crying, and the doctor was so concerned, she actually threatened to quit because she didn't want to take blood pressure. And she loves her patients. She's been there 20 years in practice. But are we really caring about our patients? You know, one of my clients told me a patient said to him when he was offering her a bridge, she said, doctor, is this the best you can offer me? Imagine if, if, you're ta- if your hygienist is with this attitude and what if that patient heard about the mouth-body connection just yesterday on the news or 2020 or something like this? And now they came and said, Miss Hygienist of 40 years, is this your very best? What is her response going to be? It's not going to be good, Debbie. It's, we know it's not going to be good. So obviously, De- Debbie is, again, one of my dear friends in dentistry, one of the one of the best coaches I know, one of the most passionate people I know in dentistry. I mean... Uh, you know, it, it's just amazing. And I, I love dealing with passionate people because I'm passionate about this too and, and helping all of you. So I, I would like to encourage you to get a hold of Debbie if you have some questions about this. We're going to probably spend the rest of the show talking about kind of what works in a dental office. And again, I need hours and hours with Debbie and we wouldn't even scratch the surface. So Debbie, what I'd like you to do now would be to give out your contact information. So if people wanted to contact you with a question, get a hold of you, um, you know, where do you work? What, you know, how, how does this all work? So how, how do we get a hold of you? Well, good question, Art. Thank you for asking. I live on the West Coast. I'm a Southern California lady, and I now live in Portland, Oregon. But I work with offices seriously around the world. I usually don't work in Oregon necessarily. I'm always on a plane traveling to the East. I've been to the East Coast, West Coast numerous times. Art saw me in a 12-day tour at that point a month ago. I want you to contact me at my office, 949 area code, 351-8741. And you can email my team. And I would love to sit and have some virtual coffee or coffee with you. Admin at dentalpracticesolutions.com. Our website is dentalpracticesolutions.com and we currently have a a free resource about treating the bloody prophy. How are you treating the bloody prophy right now in your office? And you can grab that resource and that actually leads to a continuing education course. That's great. And if you ever have a chance to hear Debbie at a at a dental meeting or uh, from a study, a study club, go, go listen to her. Again, one of the most passionate ladies I've ever met in the dental profession. I talk about our Academy of Dental CPAs president, Alan Schiff, my dear, dear friend, Alan. 
and, and he's the most passionate CPA I've ever met. And Debbie's right up there as far as um, how she wants to help people. All right, let, let's start talking about the dentist. We, we've talked about the hygienist. How do we get more patients to accept treatment? That's the $64,000 question. Well, once again, we do have a five-step process for that engaging so the team. Did you have a five-step process for like everything in your life? How does that work? <laughs> Yeah, I should have probably a 12-step program, right? I haven't studied that one yet. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like there are five, five steps are easy to break down, but I want to break it down for you simply like this. It's the it's about elegant communication, and that elegant communication needs to be supported by always never-ending improvement as a dental professional. So if that's the hygienist, it's embracing the, you know, what is going on in today's world of dentistry, which is the mouth body connection and understanding what we need to say to our patients. It's understanding the various personality types. And that's something that we work on with our teams. And we actually have the teams go through an assessment. And they also, we also do um, a personality assessment and personality ex- activities so that you, with a snap of a finger, can identify who's sitting in your chair. The other thing that's super important, and this goes towards the doctors, is you, doctor, leading your team. You can stop having meetings because nobody wants to have meetings. I want you to communicate with your team, openly communicate. And I also want to suggest that you learn the elegant ways to communicate with each of the different personality types of your different patients. So this is some of the work that we do to increase case acceptance. And also, Debbie, we've talked about this on the show before. How about how important is it for the doctor to convey his or her vision of how they do dentistry and and what's a crown and what's an inlay and what's an onlay and what's a composite and how, how do we how why is it so important that that's done? Art, you just said something that it's almost like you could read my mind. So, are you talking about new employees in the office understanding this, or the patients? You're talking about the patients understanding this. Well, I'm I'm, I'm talking about the the dental team and how important it is that that. Everybody is on the same page with with how the dentist treats patients. That's okay. kind of what I'm talking about. Great. I love it because we have, as I was telling you, we have so many. I mean, I can't remember when I haven't spoken to one of my colleagues who's a dentist and they have employee changes every year. I Most of the time when I work for a client, they have changes on their team and they've had changes and they continue to have changes except for one. And that is because the doctor has worked on his why, has shared his vision with the team. Now, what I created, and I just emailed it out to one of our clients this morning, interesting that you would ask this, I put together some a Word document, but it has pictures and explanations of all these various services and disease processes that we treat in a dental office so that... Because I know that my doctors have hired front office people who were great in the retail business. And some of those people can be very good at the front desk, but they know nothing about dentistry. So I was thinking a few weeks ago, how can I help them? So I've written some things on this. How can we get a hold of these things? Are they on your website? Yes. That's a good question. So thank you for reminding me to say that on our website, dentalpracticesolutions.com. You'll see that on, under our services, we have a dental practice university, and it says, do you want to turbocharge your dental practice? That's also on the top of our website. When you click that, it takes you to our dental practice university, and I have created training modules for the entire team. So we have um, your rock and hygiene department, power up your front office. I have leadership, culture building, vision, mission all kinds of trainings for the doctors as well. And you get that 14 days free. So it's, and that's where we have that information at this point. Okay. So you definitely want to go into Debbie's, onto Debbie's website. So uh, let's talk about larger cases. Dentists all love, I mean, wh- what would a perfect, a perfect day be, doctor? You have one patient in the chair all day long. That's all you're doing. That's a, I've had doctors tell me that's a perfect day. 
So how do you suggest, Debbie, that we get, uh, we help dentists build larger cases into their practice? And how do you help them present larger cases? I love, love what you said. I took a deep dive in 2018 trying to help hygienists. And I, I was actually speaking about this. And I'll be speaking on this, giving a course at the International Association for Dental Implantology in February because I'm passionate about helping hygienists talk to their patients about implants. So one of the ways that you can understand how to engage your patients with higher end treatment, it really begins with asking a few questions, especially when you have a new patient in your chair, knowing what they want, what that, what brought them to your office, what are they looking for in a dentist? And I even suggest that you ask permission if we discover disease or some type of treatment, is it okay if we share this with you? Because now your patients already said yes to something. So you have permission. And then the hygienist is the one or your dental assistant should be taking pictures, a lot of pictures, pictures paint a thousand words. But then also understanding, I go over brain science, not that I'm an expert on it, but I've studied it because it's what's going on in that brain of your patient. Are they fearful? If they're fearful and you got them laying back in the chair, I'm telling you, they are tuned out. They are not going to accept your treatment. So it has to do with your posture, your tone, mirroring and matching that patient and understanding what your patient wants, what are their values. Everything that I teach is all about the patient's value, understanding what is their value, and then attaching a benefit to the value so they want what they need. And and also, I've found in talking to lots and lots of of coaches and people in the profession is, and and this is one of the things that my my partner in our practice sales business, Dr. Potter, taught me when he was doing leadership coaching uh, years ago is... The patient is ready when the patient is ready, not when you're ready. Comment to that. Oh, I, you know, when I'm coaching, I've learned that I have to come to their level. I have to meet them where they are. And I think it's really important that we understand, like you can tell I'm a fast paced person, probably. No. (laughs) So I'm I'm shocked. I'm going to make a decision a lot more quickly. Then most dentists, because I understand we do these personality assessments, as I told you, and most dentists, I would say even engineers, are going to be a lot slower. They need time to think about things. They're going to need more information. And by the way, another thing that I've created at the beginning of this year, 2019, I put together a video sequence of information. So I'm teaching our clients. Everybody loves video and people pay attention to video. So it's a video sequence. And if they don't pay attention and schedule after the video sequence, then it's an email. And maybe that email is going to have some research. Maybe that email is going to have something else in it. But I I lay that out with my clients that I'm working with. And by the way, that's also in our dental practice university. We have some scripts. So you kind of know what to say in your video. And the video is like not even a minute long, but showing your patient how much you care helps. So let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the biggest mistakes you see going into offices. And and, I mean, if you were to just think of maybe the top one or two, you go into an office and say, oh my God, in in eight out of 10 offices, this is the problem. And I'm assuming all dental offices can be improved. I, I, I know you've done it for years and years, but what are some of the biggest mistakes you see dentists making today? Okay, for doctors who don't want to hear that they're making any mistakes. <laughs> Turn this off. Go watch a football game. Go get a glass of wine. But you should listen. <laughs> well, what I want to say is that we know what we know. And unless you look, you will never know. And what I see is I went through a period of time. It hasn't been happening in the last two years, but up until about 2017, I had a lot of doctors. I think it's because we were coming out of the economic decline, but through the economic decline up until 2017, a lot of doctors never reached out to me until they were at a point where they had wiped out their 401k and they couldn't even afford payroll or paying themselves. Doctor, it's super important that you always look at your numbers. And I'm teaching the team 
how to drive those systems. And one of those systems is you've got a person on your team that's always looking at yesterday's numbers and today's numbers. And that's how Art and I met was through a dental intel conference. It's one of the key performance indicator softwares that we just love because we want you to see what's going on. It's like, do you know how much money is in your bank account? Well, what came in yesterday? How much walked out the door in treatment plans? How many patients? I tell you, the doctors that are listening, I want to challenge you to look at how many outstanding patients in your practice over the last 18 months have not had a hygiene appointment. And I want you to create a system or, you know, I can help you with that, but you've got to look at those numbers. You don't even know what's going on. I had one doctor that we were using this program on, Debbie, and I showed this doctor that 56% of her patients were not uh, reappointed at the time of the last hygiene appointment. She says, that's impossible. And I said, why? Are you going to tell me because she tells you that she appoints everybody except the airline pilots who can't appoint? How did you know, Art? I said, I read minds. I don't know how I knew, but but the fact of the matter is, is I, I think that they told us at the conference that the national average for reappointing patients is like in the mid 50% or something like that. And and you just think about how much revenue is walking out the door, folks, and you can't get that back and stuff. So, you know, I mean, talk about how you use metrics in a in, in your in your coaching. So I have a dashboard and it's HIPAA compliant because it's on my cell phone, but the minute I log out, it disappears. So nobody can log into that unless they know my secret password. I was assured this is HIPAA compliant. But I look at my client numbers and I can see there's a specific dashboard. I mean, this is a it's a web portal of with a lot of information. But I can see now it's we're recording this at the end of a day. And I can now log on to my iPhone and see my clients. What happened today? Well, the other day I looked and uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty. So I call up the office the next day and talk to the office manager. And what happened was they neglected to have their team communication. Remember, I said not meeting. But this is one of the things that I see happening and uh that's one of the things that we're looking at. And what's going to happen today? We also want to have that. There needs to be, I usually say there's one person. And I mean, I believe that we can build leaders in each of, there's something we can bring out in each of us. So each morning when the team communicates, there's always somebody, they have it down on the calendar, who's in charge of starting their communication process and making sure it ends on time. So that wasn't happening and I was able to catch it. But if you will look at what happened that previous day and what opportunities are awaiting you today and you talk about as a team how you can capture those opportunities, you're going to have like, I mean, seriously, one of our clients just had their biggest month ever because we got them to look at these numbers. And and talk about, Debbie, how important it is for the hygienist and the assistant in the front office to all be on the same page. Because here's what happens. Doctor comes in, he or she presents a $30,000 case that the patient wasn't accepting. And oh, we can do these veneers and we can do crowns and bridges and we can do, we have to do some end all this stuff. And then what happens? The patient turns to the hygienist and says, do you, do I really need all of this? So talk about how important it is that the, that the rest of the team is backing the doctor. So this needs to, I'm going to go back to the time management system because remember I talked about the data collection. So it's the hygienist collecting the data. Now that could be that there's an outstanding treatment plan. If there's an implant, it could be that they have a hole in their tooth or maybe they have an abscess tooth and need an extraction. So it's the hygienist showing the patient after the data collection is a few minutes of treatment planning. If there's a large treatment plan that aren't used as that example, that patient probably needs to come back for about 20 minutes with the doctor not presenting that today. Although the doctor is going to come in and the hygienist will communicate. That's one of those communication points. It's the third of the fifth communication point in the hygiene appointment where the hygienist is bringing doctor 
onto the same page as the hygienist and the patient. Like imagine you're at a party, there's a party and you walk in the door, you're brought into the loop, right? Hopefully there's a conversation going on. They bring you into the conversation. Well, that's what I'm teaching is that when the doctor comes in, probably about halfway into that hygiene appointment after the treatment planning and after the hygienist has presented that to the patient. And now the hygienist is going to relay the message to the doctor in front of the patient. There's also something called proxemics. And that is your posture. And it's also psychology. It's it's a subliminal psychology with the patient when you have a specific posture, when you have a tone, and when you're, the hygienist is speaking with the doctor and the doctor with the hygienist with the patient there. Now, that, that's, that's important. And then uh, this is one of my favorites. So talk about doctors making financial arrangements and quoting fees to patients. What do you think about that one? I do not like it. I didn't think you would. Oh, no. <laughs> I think that it is not in the doctor's best interest. I say that it because it's taking up a lot of the time. I think that you need to have the, you want to build up this one person, one of the team members. Remember, I talk about each person has a leadership skill. You need to, doctor, have a person on your team that is not only the treatment coordinator, but they could possibly be a financial coordinator, or you have somebody who is your financial coordinator, and they are the expert. And you're telling your patient, I'm going to have you talk to Sally. She is our expert, and she will find a way to make sure you can pay for the treatment. And then Sally's job is to present flexible financial arrangements. There are, And I mean flexible. It's not just one for everyone. So I, I, I want to touch on this topic, and we may spend a good amount of the rest of the show on this. Uh, I'm not a fan of PPOs. You're not a fan of PPOs. I haven't even asked you. And I know you're not. How do we get a doctor to to try? A doctor says, "I, I just can't be profitable. I'm 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 working for fifty percent of my usual fees. Uh, I can't go to the lab and ask them to work for fifty percent of their usual fees." And, and and I want to become a fee for service practice. What kind of conversation do you have with your with your clients about that? Well, one of the things that I've noticed is when I've worked with a few startups and a few startup situations, I'll just say, I had a doctor who owned his practice for three years and he signed up. He just, like I said earlier, you know, doctor, what you know, and that's it. And how much did you learn about PPOs when you were in dental school? How much did you learn about insurance and insurance payments? And this doctor, fresh out of dental school, decides he's a very intelligent man. He's amazing. I love him. He's one of my favorite clients I've ever worked with. And he really worked hard to become a great leader, which he is now. And he signed up for every PPO. And then he didn't even understand how to correctly attach those different fee schedules into his practice management software. So when I came in, although I'm focused on hygiene, I could see with the key performance indicators and those, you know, websites that we were telling you that we have their applications that we can check your KPIs each month, each day. I could see there was a lot written off. And I just felt so bad for him. So I have a team uh, that works with me. And one of the ladies is an expert on insurance. And she got access and saw in his practice management software that the fees were wrong. But we also, she also worked to renegotiate those fees. And she actually recommended who to continue to have as a PPO. Now, one of the things that we were doing with the team to help during this transition of not having every single PPO that he was attached to and getting those fee schedules straightened out was we worked on his culture and we got a, an amazing mission together. And the team was so excited. I'm going to tell you, they were in a small town in Indiana and there was a lot of drug abuse. So they were on a mission and they had a team of business people in their small town And they all came together. They had monthly meetings at their dental office, and they became known in the community for having a task force to stop the drug abuse. And they 
love. I mean, I think it's been a couple of years since I've worked with that team and they still all work there. Hallelujah. The team is still there. I knew we were going to say hallelujah. I just knew it. So I'm going to put you on the spot and we're going to do a little role play here. So I call up, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a prospective new patient. So, so, uh, uh, Debbie, uh, do you, do you take my insurance? Art, I want to let you know that we can bill your insurance. We do that as a courtesy and we can never tell you exactly how much your insurance will pay. It's always an estimate. I would be very happy to get your insurance information and see if they will pay and what they will pay. Can I get your information and call you back to see what they will pay for? Perfect. See, I told her I was going to put her on the spot. So um, how about a dentist who likes to chit-chat at the chair? Oh, she, De- Debbie, Debbie is shaking. She's convulsing. I think her head's going to explode. Talk about that. All the rules will be the rules. <laughs> the doctor can never wait until the last 10 minutes of the hygiene appointment to come do the exam. That's rule number one. And rule number two is that doctor needs to depend on the hygienist to let, like, I'm going to tell you that Art's son lives in Northern California. So I'm going to tell my doctor that I've been talking with Art and I just discovered his son's out of college now. He lives in Northern California and he works for Bank of America. He does. That is amazing. And Dr. Smith, uh, did you know Art's son is Nathan? Is that oh, Nathan? No, that's Forrest. 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 Do you yeah. remember For- Dr. Smith? Right. Remember Forrest yeah. as a little boy? Yeah. And now he's living in Northern California. So anyways, let me get to the point here. What I found, what Art and I have been talking about this one tooth, it's discolored. And it's his wife, he and his wife are going on, is it 40 years soon? 40 years of marriage? Thir- 35. 35. I knew it was close. 35 years of marriage, and he wants to look amazing for this cruise that they're going on because they're going to have some beautiful pictures taken. So we were talking about getting that tooth. I don't know, doctor, if you know, we talked about some different options. I know there's large filling there, so probably we want to do um, a type of crown there. I was telling him about that. I have a, a, I love this one inlay that you placed for me, doctor, and I was telling Art about that. Right. So um, now, doctor... If there's a lot of information that he ha- or she needs to talk to, the, to you about, we're going to have doctor already prepared to say, Art, I see as I'm looking at these x-rays of your teeth, it looks like you haven't been flossing. And I see a lot of cavities. In fact, I see this one crown. It's got some, deca- it's got a cavity underneath it. I don't know if that's bothering you, but I want to get you back for about 20 minutes as soon as you can. We'll get Susan at the front desk to schedule something. I want to talk to you about these things. I know it's too much for you to grasp today, and I want to spend some time with you. Is, how, what is it, how does that sound, Art? Where do I write the check, Debbie? Right now, I'll write the check. Whatever you want. Whatever, no, it sounds, <laughs> it, sounds, it, sounds, um, it sounds wonderful. How do you feel about giving choices to patients? Well, I think that we should let patients own their mouth, so we should... Always, I always suggest that you tell the patients what you would do if they were your mother, your sister, your dad, your brother, blah, blah, blah. You know, somebody that's your loved one, what would you do for them? Remember, I was telling you like that doctor, he offered his patient a bridge. And when she said, doctor, is that the very best you have to offer me? He actually said, no, it's not. The implant's the best. And she said, I'll take the implant. So it's always offering them the best. And let them, like, you need to understand the value of that patient. What does that patient value? What you, if you've not already asked your patient, because they're not a new patient, you've never asked these questions. It's super important that you have the hygienist when they're seeing that patient. You know, by the way, Art, I've been seeing you for the last 30 years. And I want to ask you something. What is the most, seriously, Art, what is the most thing? What's the most important thing about a dentist to you? Well, that my teeth are healthy and they're not in pain. Ah, there are two things that you just told me, your value, health, and also no pain. So I know that I want to refer back. The benefit to you is going to be around your health. Art, I'm very concerned about that tooth that had a crown. And now there's, I'm sure that when I look, I'm looking at the x-rays right now and I can see you've got a bad cavity under it. Now I'm concerned about the 
health of this tooth. Health, 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 health. You want me to be healthy. Yeah. That's important. And, and I know that you want to be healthy, Art, so I'm going to focus. Your value is health. If you don't know what that patient values, you're like speaking to a dead wall. Oh so God. ask these questions. That's one of the main important ones. What's that? What What is valuable to that patient? About If there's one... What is the most valuable thing that we can do for you? What's what's important to you about your dentist? And that that is that is very important. What's important is that my dentist cares about me and that he's going to take care of my teeth. But again, patients don't know. They don't know. They, they don't go to school and find, okay, so this is what's important to me for, uh, to talk to my dentist about. No. And that's where you have to, to educate. So we're, Debbie, unfortunately, we're coming. We're coming to the end of our time. I'm going to cry. I have so Dang much. Dang it! I'm having so much fun with you. So, all right, I want you to the last comments. I want you to make. I want you to address my dentists out there who are going to work every day, and it's just not clicking. It's not working. They're not enjoying it. They're not enjoying their team. They're not enjoying their practice. What, what what kind of pearls? I mean, obviously, call Debbie and we'll let her give her information <laughs> out one more time. But but what kind of a paradigm shift? What, what do we need to get these guys thinking about? I think you need to look back on why you wanted to be a dentist. What was it? If it's money, money is the wrong answer for anything. But I also want to recommend a book. It's Your Why by Simon Sinek. And I've really done a lot of work with his books and his trainings over the last year. And this has been a huge impact for my doctors who are clients and their entire team to really have a reason for why they get up each day and love coming to the office. And, you know, it's funny when I go into offices and I see hugs and I see smiles and I see happiness, I know it's a great office. And then I see uh, team members that they they look like they just lost their, their their puppy just died and and then you can tell those kinds of things. So, folks, I, I unfortunately we are just about out of time today. I'm going to let Debbie give her information out one more time. And again, if your practice is just kind of, I mean, <laughs> I, I met somebody the other day who who came into my office and um, uh, I mean the other day it was like six months ago. Mm-hmm. I remember this. And it reminded me of of the the cartoon character Droopy, you know, very sad and upset. And I just, I, I mean, you don't say. By the way, you look like Droopy. That's not a good thing to say to a to a client. But but you know, if you're not happy in your practice and things are not going well, I mean, dentistry is such a wonderful, wonderful profession. Um, you know, this lady that I've been talking to, Debbie, here for the last hour, ha- has a passion, and and maybe that passion will rub off on you. So, Debbie. One more time, give out your information, please. Dentalpracticesolutions.com. Phone number is 949, area code 351-8741. Or you can email us, and I would love to chat with you. No cost, over coffee, admin at dentalpracticesolutions.com. And we've got a link on our website for you to schedule that appointment with me as well. Well, what I'm looking forward to is as soon as I turn off the recorder, you and I and our two spouses are going to go have a nice dinner, and my choice of wine is Pinot Noir. What is yours? Oh, I think tonight I'll have a red blend. Works for me. Debbie, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, your passion, and what you give to the dental profession. Thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope to see you on the other side of this podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you want to get a hold of me at my office in Tustin, give me a call at 714 259 0505. Uh, email me at artweiderman at gmail.com. Go on to our website, uh, which is hmwccpa.com. Uh, Go to the resources tab. You'll see all the, all the information about all the podcasts. You'll also be able to see a summary of the podcast, including this one. You'll be able to see, uh, Debbie Seidel-Bitke's information and how to get a hold of her on the on the website. Uh, and if you are looking for a dental-specific CPA in Southern California, north of San Diego, because we have a great firm in San Diego, uh, give me a call. Like I say, 714-259-0505. But if you're looking anywhere else in the United States of America, please uh, go on to our website of the Academy of Dental CPAs. Work with dental specialist folks. 
Debbie is a dental specialist. She's a great coach. We work with attorneys, dental attorneys, dental uh, dental coaches, dental lenders. You want to work with dental CPAs. It's very, very important. www.adcpa.org. Well, that was fun. I love having people in my studio. I love people who have passion in my studio, and I just have so much fun doing this, and I hope this translates to you. Please tell your friends about our podcast. It's growing exponentially. Uh, and that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 